Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of Hey Sister. And as you can see, it's just my sister. What's up with that? Well, tonight my sister has another engagement. She is um, unable to be with us tonight. So we have a special episode for you this evening. So as you know, Hey Sister is about sisters, it's by sisters, but it's also about sisters and misters, right? And this evening, we're going to focus on the misters. And so we've assembled a few misters to join us. One's going to be coming in a few minutes later, but I'm going to start bringing them up so you'll see the misters that are joining us tonight and introduce you to them. But first things first, Every episode, we ask you to like, follow, share, and subscribe. Share this thing out. Send folks a YouTube link. Send them the Facebook link and say, hey, come on and join the conversation in the comments because that's where all the action happens. We want to hear from you. We want you to engage in this dialogue and be a part of the conversation with us this evening. And so I, it is my pleasure to introduce the few misters that have uh, braved, is willing to brave the stage this night. So first and foremost, my boo, my hubby, uh, Miss Jeff Sloan. Welcome to, hey sister, how you doing husband? Hey sweetie, how you doing? Glad to oh, be here. I'm glad that you're here. Y'all see he's representing for his uh, JSU with the I Believe uh they had a tough time yesterday, but we won't talk about that just yet. All right. <laughs> another young man representing this evening uh, from uh, another SWAC school, Mr. Robert Payne. How you doing, Rob? Vicksburg finest. Rob, can you hear us? Rob, I think he, are you frozen? It's a jaguar. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you, you kind of froze. Okay, up. I was oh, like, come on, JSU you did oh, okay. yesterday. Okay. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So we know there's gonna be some jokes around that. <laughs> but um, all right. So yeah, Rob, you know we we gotta watch that technology. He don't freeze up on us. And we got one more Mister who's gonna be joining us, and we're gonna bring him in to the episode in a little while when he gets to a stationary position, and that's Mister Leotis Turner. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, and in typical Hey Sister fashion, we always start with hot topics. Now, since we were just having a little jest and little lighthearted conversation about JSU or the Southern University of Baton Rouge, hey, tell me what, how are y'all feeling now, especially that, um, that you're able to watch the swag every week on ESPN. Like to me, that's a hot topic in and of itself. I know a lot of it has to do with Dion being at JSU and and the the um what's the word profile, how he's elevated the profile of HBCUs. You got Eddie George at Tennessee State as well. I think there's gonna be more to come, but you know, you all are HBCU grads. I'm an HBCU grad. We always know we've been fired. How y'all feel that now that, hey, others are starting to take a look? You know what? I, I think it, uh, I think what Dion has done is given other NFL players 
who haven't had the opportunity to even be assistant coaches a chance to, you know, explore the HBCU route in order to further their coaching career. It's a great learning and learning uh, opportunity for you know all of them. You know, Eddie George freely admits that he doesn't he doesn't have any type of coaching experience, but this is an opportunity for him to to learn. It's called on the job training, where he would not get that opportunity anywhere else. Just like with certain students, you know, HBCUs have been the place where they have, you know, learned to grow, expand their horizons. And I think this is the opportunity for people like Dion who wanted to be in coaching. He has been coaching on high school level where he was denied. He was actually denied, you know, by his alma mater and a few more. But Jackson State took a chance and said, hey, come with us. And now I think other HBCUs are, are starting to, to, to do that now and starting to look you know, outside the box, because, you know, you know how we are. Sometimes we get stuck in our comfort zone. And I think Dion has allowed some of them to believe that, okay, let's go out outside the box and do something different that has never been done. Okay. All right, Rob, what about you? What do you think about the HBCU spotlight right now? I think it's great. I think the more exposure, the better, you know, hopefully you can, you can reach the kid that's not necessarily local to the area. You may get the kid that is not close to HBCU or maybe doesn't have that much knowledge of one, and they get a chance to kind of watch not only one, you kind of watch several uh, different shows, and you kind of start doing a little investigating, find out, okay, yeah, it's a little bit more than the band. They kind of offer some other things as far as the academics, and you kind of see where people, even from the vice president to CEOs and companies. So hopefully it can kind of steer and kind of encourage people to choose an HBCU, and you don't necessarily have to do one a year. Your, your power five conferences for schools or even your, you know, majority PWIs. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about education more specifically tonight as we have this conversation about uh, black men um, in particular. But tonight it's the Emmys. The Emmys are on tonight. So who are you cheering for tonight on the Emmys? And I know when I asked y'all this in a pre-show, y'all were like, ah, Say what? Me. Yeah. <laughs> Who are y'all cheering for tonight on the Emmys? <laughs> well, I'm gonna always cheer for Anthony Anderson and and um, Tracy Ellis Ross, of course, for Blackish. But I don't think Blackish will win tonight as favorite, you know, comedy series. I think that's gonna be Ted Lasso. And if you know, a lot of people probably had a chance to watch Ted Lasso. I think you have to have uh, it's on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. Amazon Prime, I Apple believe. Apple TV. Apple TV, Apple TV. So, um, but it is a, is a great show. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for, of course, as I said, Anthony Anderson, Tracy Ellis Ross, my, uh, uh, as I call my my TV wife. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are the two. <laughs> All right. What about you, Rob? Well, who are you rooting for today? <laughs> you, you, you know what? Jeff named everybody I was going to list. But I am pulling for the brother. I know he's passed on. Uh, definitely Michael Williams. You know, it's kind of unfortunate uh, what happened. So uh, it'd be nice to kind of see him being honored and kind of respected for his craft. And one more, another HBCU grad, Andrew Ellis for Lovecraft Country. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, Lovecraft Country was not renewed. And, you know, initially it was supposed to just be a one season thing, right? So it was supposed to be one of these limited series. Um, Jody's watching. Hey, Jody, how you doing? Miss Jody. Miss Jody. <laughs> um, but yes, um, Anjanu Ellis in Lovecraft Country. And 
every other person, Michael K. Williams, Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors. Um, I think, um, oh my God, Angela Bassett, husband, uh, Courtney uh, Vance. Um, he, I think he already won his Emmy in the mm -hmm. category. I think it's not, his category is not being aired, but hey, listen, they all did phenomenal work in that series. So yeah, absolutely. So I'm cheering for Lovecraft Country tonight, even though it won't be back. I love Ted Lasso. I'm excited about everything that is on that. Uh, that show just brings me joy. I've watched season one like three times already. I'm on my second run of season two, and season two is not even over yet, just because I've needed something to bring me some joy. Mm -hmm. But kind of sticking with the Emmys theme for, you know, kind of this setup part, think back to what's your favorite TV show of all time and why? I'm going to start with you on this one, Rob. All right. My favorite TV show is definitely the Cosby Show. Uh, I think okay. that was kind of the first uh, TV show where we kind of saw a reflection of a lot of the Black family that people don't know about. I mean, I love the Jeffersons. I love Good Times. I think all are great. But a lot of times people kind of put us in a, they kind of pigeonhole us. And you kind of say, okay, we got a lawyer. We got a doctor. Uh, and you know what? The kids in the school, you know, there's no issues with problems with gangs and drugs and like the, the kind of normal storyline. So definitely Cosby Show, which also branched out, of course, to different world. So I think as the show kind of progressed, we all kind of grew up with it in our later stages of life. Okay. What about you, um, Jeff? Being the elder statesman here, I, I, I got to <laughs> say the first... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I say good times, but only the first two to three years when James was there, uh, because it did represent a full family, even though they weren't in the best situation. They still had that strong male figure who was there working hard, trying his best to, you know, support his children, support his family. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the reason that John Amos left is because they were focusing on. Uh, what I would call the clowning of J.J. Uh, Evans. That's what the majority audience wanted to see. But in my, my, my estimation is that John Amos really carried that show to the heights that it never reached after he left. Um, you know, he was funny, you know, he had a message. And I think I just saw so much in him as I saw with a lot, a lot of strong black men growing up in Mississippi, you know, working hard, blue collar workers, were in there for their children and their family and making sure everything was right. That was like, I think the first time you could see a, a family where the father was a major figure there. And uh, it was a great show until. So me and Norma Lee, we got problems right now because they let John Amos go. So. All right. Well, you know what? Look, our third mister for the evening has made it to the stage. So I'm going to bring him on, Mr. Leotis Turner. He's a friend of Hey Sister. He's been on before. Hey, Leotis, how you doing? Hey, sister, how you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing great. So, hey, you heard our two kind of um, Emmy questions. I'm going to go ahead and toss you. Like, who are you cheering for tonight? And then what's your favorite TV show of all time? So I'm I'm definitely team blackish. I am definitely team blackish. Uh, so go Anthony Anderson and and uh, we may have to share that TV wife there, Jeff. <laughs> 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 I've, I've been a fan of Tracy Ellis Wa uh, Ross when she was on the previous show, which I think was, uh, was what Girlfriends. I think it was the name of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I was I was a fan then. Uh, that was a good show as well. 
So TV favorite TV show of all time is kind of hard because it it changed as I got older. Um, and one of them. So I'm going to I'm going to go hard left because they just talked about this yesterday on NPR and the impact that it had in the black community. But believe it or not, Dukes of Hazard. Mm. again as a child and here's why i was a car fan and i loved the car sans the rebel flag on the top of it and the name of it but i was a dodge charger fan now it wasn't till i got older and then understood okay i've really been you know brainwashed and they, <laughs> they talked about this uh it, it was it was kind of interesting they were talking about this where you know they portrayed these two good old boys with this rebel flag and a um, Confederate general and they just marketed out like everything was okay. And they were talking about the impact that it had on, you know, African-Americans. So as I got older, um, you know, the Cosby show and then of course, different world and now the black, the shows like blackish. So I'm really, um, it's hard to pin down one single show for me. It's really, I like a lot of shows that, you know, as you all alluded to, uh, with the black family where we're not being portrayed as buffoons. We are professionals. We're doctors. We're, you know, we're intelligent people. We're leaders. So anything that has us in those roles, I'm a supporter of. Oh, wow. I gotta raise my hand. I would be remiss to say, and I've watched this show about three or four times and I find something new every time I watch it. The Wire. I, I, I was I was about to ask you about that. The I was wire. like, you did not say The Wire, husband. I'm surprised. I didn't know, baby, but The Wire. <laughs> all five seasons. All five seasons. Number two was the, the, the least important season to me, but all five seasons of The Wire. I must say that, that was, that's, that's probably the number one drama of all time, in my opinion. In my opinion. So, you know, yeah. It's pretty good. I'll say this. I appreciate all y'all, y'all's feedback there. And you, you know, it's so so let's talk about the power of imagery. You kind of alluded to it, Leo, when you were talking about about the Dukes of Hazard, for instance, even when you're just talking about all of these shows and representation and how representation matters. And for those of you who are just tuning in, you're watching Hey Sister Live. We got our mistress with us this evening. But you know, I Hey, of course we watch Dukes of Hazzard every week. All of us, we all from the South. Y'all know we watch Dukes of Hazzard. We didn't realize some of the imagery that we were taking in, whether it's from, um, you know, Dukes of Hazzard or uh, Designing Women, you know, some of the those shows who I actually, actually loved. Um, but some of the imagery, the perpetuation of stereotypes, the perpetuation of our even our oppression you know it, it then kind of leads us into these more difficult conversations that we're going to go into right now because imagery matters what we see matters and what we see over and over again even in shaping what we believe is possible it it, it matters so um there's a couple of articles and i'm going to drop them in the comments so everybody can take a look but we want to really talk about the state of black men a little bit this evening and some of the challenges that black men are facing and the impact that it's having. And um, last week we had a conversation about mental health and, and really this last 
two years, it seems like all of us, um, there's been more conversation about mental health. There's been more um, spotlight on mental health. But I still see a majority from a women's perspective, talking about women, talking about female. We talked about like a lot of the female athletes. But we know that Black men, the um, depression is on the rise. Uh, we know suicide is on the rise among Black men and Black boys. And so we want to talk a little bit, and I'm going to, I have both of these like, and, you know, it's kind of mental health and substance abuse, because we also know substance abuse is on the rise, whether that's um, alcohol or um, drugs. And I think it's related to mental health. So brothers, misters, mm -hmm. let's talk about mental health and Black men and and as what challenges that men are facing and and how you also may be coping with your own mental health. It's been a tough, it's been a tough time. Let's just say 2020 was not the best for most of us. And then when we bring back and add the previous, those previous years with that previous person who occupied the White House, child, listen, we all been under a number. So I don't know who wants to jump in first on this topic. And that's and that's the thing, nobody's in a hurry because I think as black men, we we've been taught to, you know, subjugate that conversation, subjugate our feelings, just you know wake up the next day, go do your job. And that's exhausting. And, and to be honest, now, even though some of us have, you know, what I would say, rise or rose through the ranks in the corporate world, it's lonely sometimes at work because it's just us. You know, a generation or two before us, you know, the blue collars, you know, you had more black folks in that particular space. So you had someone that you went to work with every day that you could share. You know, like in Fences, you know, you know, Denzel and, and, and the character in the first the first scene when they're just talking, you know, but I know when I go to work sometimes, you know, even though it's been virtual or whatever, I just see me and who can I really share my thoughts about what's going on and what I'm thinking? Because even when I think I have that relationship with a particular person in the workforce, I still catch myself saying I can't say that or I can't mention that. So even with, you know, some of the strides we made in a corporate sense, it's still a lonely place, maybe even lonelier now for us. And, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just be honest. I know I told my wife, I said, I know I need therapy. I know I need to go to counseling. And you know what? That was what, eight, nine months ago. And guess what? I still haven't done it. Still haven't done it. And I don't know what it is that won't allow me to just go ahead and take that first step forward. I don't know. It's something I got to work through too. Mm -hmm. All right, that was heavy. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being vulnerable enough to share. Who wants to? Who wants to tackle that nest? That because that I'll loneliness in. in corporate, that loneliness in the corporate space, that's a whole. Whew, that's that could be a show by itself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will definitely hop in, and I'll I'll say, uh, brother, brother, get go. It's just like, you know, going to get that exam, that that man exam that we don't like to talk about. Yeah. Go do it. Go get the therapy, man. We men in general, but black men in general, we don't uh, I think more so don't like to do the therapy because, you know, we're I think we're private uh, as a race. So we don't like telling people our business. 
But um, so mental health, and I, I, I don't think anything happens by accident. The fact that you reached out to me this evening. Um, so I'll start from the very beginning. Um, I actually was suicidal back in, I think I was in my early 20s. And it was a lot going on. I won't go into the details, but it was a lot going on. I was really close with my father. He was on his second wife and we had, you know, we were bumping heads. I had a, a, a girlfriend that I was dating that we broke up. And basically what I had done was compartmentalized myself into my, my whole universe consisted of my father and that young lady at the time. So when that crumbled, those relationships, then I felt like I was by myself. Add to that fact that I just dropped out of college. You know, there's that whole weight of, you know, you must do this, graduate in college in four years. You know, so I felt like a failure, felt alone. Then I was like, what is my purpose? So that was um, that was a difficult time for me. Had to go through therapy. And fortunately, I wasn't what they call active suicidal. I was passive suicidal, which, you know, is not any better, but it's it's basically one of those things of I didn't care if I lived. I wasn't a actively, you know, trying to harm myself, but I was, it was just like I didn't care. So um, I learned how to deal with those feelings over the years and learned how to um, not isolate, but identify some of the things that bother me uh, as I've gotten older. Fast forward to this past year, me being a very social person, you have the pandemic and then some other things happened in my life early this year. I went into a state of depression um, right around June and it was a very dark place. And it, I hadn't been th that bad in, in quite some time. I, I was, you know, on, when I wasn't working, got the strength to get, you know, get in front of the computer. I was on the couch, wasn't eating. I wasn't talking to anybody. Um, and slowly started getting myself out of it. And as I talked to some of my fraternity brothers, they were like, well, why didn't you call? And it, what was funny, and this is kind of how that demon attacks you. I literally picked up the phone several times to call to talk to somebody. And that, that demon, that voice was like, no, put it down. You, they don't want to hear your problems because they got their own problems. Mm -hmm. So it was, it made it more difficult to get out of. And I, I remember, um, there's a book, Michael Bayesden wrote that I, I didn't, didn't get through all of it, but the title of it is pretty much um, uh, speaks volumes of itself it's called men cry in the dark. And I think with the pressure of just being a man, you know, we're, we're supposed to be the protector provider. We're supposed to be strong. It's very difficult for us to show that vulnerability. So that mental health for us, I think hits a little bit harder, especially when we go through tough times. Thank you. Thank you for being so vulnerable. I appreciate that. Uh, Rob, what about you? Um, and, and I also, I dropped in a website here scrolling across the bottom. So uh, last week we talked about the resource therapy for black girls. There's a therapy for black That's also like a, a resource to find articles and, and coaches as well as counselors. But Rob, what about you and, and what has been your experience or what have you seen as it relates to um, black men and mental health? Well, I think the big thing is, I mean, we were sitting here talking about the Emmys, about how we have actors. But it's like as soon as you walk out that door, you're not yourself. 
you know, especially when you step into the building. You know, you, your voice can't be too loud. You can't be too deep because you're going to intimidate your coworkers. Um, how you come across with a point, you have to be very strategic. So whereas Bob or Jay can say what they feel and they're just kind of expressing themselves and they're very passionate, but you do it, you kind of go into the anger category or, um, or you, or you just bump in heads. You're not, you're not a team player. So you, you're dealing with that piece. And then on top of that, whoever your director is, you know, you kind of find you have more education than he does as well as experience. So you sitting there asking yourself, hey, why I'm not being promoted or why I'm not moving up uh, further in my, my career. And you see some guys that come in that you have more knowledge and more experience and they kind of skyrocket. And so that takes a toll on you. And then once you deal with that at work, you know, you, you're getting back in your car and oh yeah, you hope the police don't pull you over, you know. So you gotta go through the whole spiel. Hey, what's your insurance? Your driver's license, where are you going? And you know, after a while, it just takes a toll on you. And uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, some people kind of do different things to, to kind of cope with it, you know, whether it's alcohol or it's drugs, um, which, which is kind of unfortunate. And, and I think on top of that is that you, you let's say, you, you have to find your peace. You know, sometimes you have to just kind of just step away and you have to be kind of selfish and take some time for yourself to kind of regroup and kind of recharge. And like in my case, uh, you know, I went home for like a few weeks and worked from home. So, you know, you're back in your childhood, you're seeing people that kind of knew you growing up and, and, and you're not Mr. Payne or Robert Payne, you know, you, you're just robbed. So you, you kind of get a chance to kind of get your bearings and kind of get charged up. So you, you have to make the time, you know, because uh, one thing I kind of find out is, that, you know, you, you can be real dedicated to a particular craft or a job. And you come in Wednesday, eight o'clock, you can be laid off at nine thirty. And and that's it. And that's a whole different stress that you have to deal with. So now you jump back in trying to find a job. So you're looking at your credentials and you match up with everything, but you don't get no phone calls. Uh you get no interest, you know, and after a while you get all these rejection letters and it and it takes its toll on you. And you know, you kinda of start looking back and kinda of start kind of doubting yourself. Uh, like what did you do wrong, what you didn't do. But, you know, you, you kind of got to push through it. Uh, I think it's definitely a plus if, if you can kind of talk to someone, you know. And a lot of times when people kind of come talk to you, don't necessarily kind of find the solutions. Just kind of listen to them and, and, and let them vent and kind of let it get off their chest. And then maybe slowly kind of add something uh, that you can probably kind of help and kind of assist. And you're not going to necessarily solve it all in, in one day or one conversation. But I think just checking on them. And if you see somebody's kind of doing uh, not themselves, I mean, hey, just just grab them up, go get a drink, go take a ride, go go do something. Because a lot of times they're not necessarily comfortable, like you said, asking for help. They want somebody to say something to them. Mm -hmm. And and when it doesn't happen, uh, you know, hey, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, and you back home, you kind of kind of spiral out of control, and you kind of beat yourself up. So. I know all those things kind of have an effect on you. And so all of you are men of a certain age. So when I say that, that means you really reached the fourth decade of life. So you're, you're, you're over, over that threshold. But what the data is also showing is that even younger, our younger black men, even in their 20s. Now, Leo, you opened up about when you were in your 20s um, and in that age group. 
um what can we do to reach like let's to dispel these the, these myths about strength about masculinity you know we talk about toxic masculinity but it's usually from a whole different angle I think those things are weighing on our mental health, especially for our younger black men too. Um, how can we help them break through? How, if you were talking to your 20 year old self today, or maybe even your 15 year old self today, what would you say to a young black boy about, about how to get through to this side, especially taking and take care of and tending to your mental health? And maybe turning away from um, substances, whether that substances is being hypersexual or um, spending money and flossing, um, you know, because a, a lot of that, I think, is all tied up in mental health as well. So what would you say to your 15 year old self, Jeff? Oh, boy. Oof, my 15 year old self. Um I know we're now now you're making me go back. This, this is kind of like a therapeutic uh <laughs> exercise now because I go back to my 15-year-old self and I know how I felt. Um I had a lot of self-doubt, believe it or not, even though everyone in my town said, Oh, you're smart, you're gonna be doing you're gonna do great things. All my teachers said you're gonna be my doctor one day. But you know, that was just on the educational piece of it, you know, socially. I was a little bit awkward because I was, uh, you know, the one that would love to read books and things like that. And that wasn't something that was hyped up back in the day. So, you know, sometimes you kind of lay off and try to play not as smart as you are. And so I think I tell my 15 year old self, be you, be happy that you are smart, be happy that you do have the, uh, the capabilities to, to do great things and don't, don't diminish yourself in front of anybody, whether it be your friends, whether it be your family, you know, because if they feel a certain way or say something that, well, you think you're better than us. No, that's your thought process. That's not me. I'm just trying to be the best me. And so, you know, I do, you know, look back at myself then and, and, and maybe my life would have been a little bit different uh, if I would had that, um, what I would say that that real bravado and not false bravado that, you know, you try to put out there as uh, you know, a young child in Mississippi and trying to protect yourself, you know, and trying to make sure others don't attack you. Uh, but, you know, let's go. I would tell, I tell myself, go for it, be who you are and, and let everybody else deal with their issues. Don't try to, uh, you know, you know, uh, diminish yourself in order to make others feel good or be liked by others. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. What about you, Rob? And then Leo, we're coming to you next on that question. What would you say to your 15 year old self? I think it's on you, Rob. I thought you said Leo. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> oh no, no, you and then Leo. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, what's wrong with this camera? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I think the big thing I would say is uh is be yourself. And I say that is uh th there's only one Robert Payne, right? There's not two, there's not three. And so it's okay being you. Don't this cause cause your journey is your journey. So whatever the person to your left is doing, the person to the right is doing, that that's that's their journey. 
you know, you you have to sometimes focus on yourself and uh, and be selfish in some things, you know, because everybody's not going where you're going. And a lot of time it's not necessarily your responsibility, uh, particularly sometimes with family and friends to to kind of blend in or kind of bring them where you're going because that's not necessarily where they're supposed to be at. So just kind of focus on yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. And uh, and life is short. I mean, you, you can worry to you can worry yourself to death, no matter how healthy you eat, you know, how much you exercise, but, you know, stress will get you. So just don't take yourself too seriously and, uh, and enjoy life. All right, Leo, now is your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would have said to my my 15 year old self was to actually get into therapy then one. Um, also I would have definitely told myself that it's okay to fail and, um, to take more chances. Uh, part of that discussion and some of my interest introspection, uh, into my life and why I do the things I do is I get into this comfort zone. Um, and I have throughout my life, uh, one, I'm an only child. That's not why, but Throughout my life, because of the environments that I've been in, I grew up in Atlanta in the actual uh, one of the areas where the child uh, the child murders happened. So there was actually a couple couple uh, boys from my neighborhood that that were murdered during that time. So needless to say, parents were kind of ring fenced with with my activities away from the house. So I was in that respect kind of sheltered. So the friends that I ended up developing you know, I clutched onto them. So that's it. Going back to that previous question, when, when that foundation dissolves, then I didn't feel like I had anything to clutch, uh, to grab onto. So, um, so I would tell that 15 year old self, Hey, therapy. So we can start working through that. What I would tell young men now is to get away from the social media, cut the TV off, be, be like Jeff when he was younger, be that one that reads the book because the social media has fed that and the TV has fed that flossing and that, uh, you know, boys should be this and we should be dumbing down to to look better. Um, one of the things I will say growing up, I never had a problem with was being an individual. I was uh, I grew up in uh, in Atlanta uh, for my formative years and the school I went to, uh, Frederick Douglass High School in Atlanta, was a very high um, uh high producing, you know, educational uh, high schools, one of the higher rated schools in the state. So when I transferred to Kentucky, it was a not only a culture shift, but an educational shift. So when I sat in the front of the classroom, and I see literally all of my fellow black people sitting in the back. Now I was labeled a nerd just because I, I did my work. And I was just like, okay, so what you're telling me is that I'm supposed to not learn. I'm supposed to perpetuate what they want want me to do. So I I was always that person, you know, fashion wise. I was always counterculture when everybody was this was in. I did the opposite. And um, so being an individual, I never had that problem. But I will say that definitely there's some things where I would tell younger men now and even myself younger, like, hey, take take chances don't don't uh don't be afraid to fail because failure is a part 
of the process to success. Okay. All right. Ooh, well, thank y'all for that. I'm going to tell you, this is a good conversation. So if you tune in tonight or if you're watching this in the replay, make sure you drop some comments in or ask some questions because this is a conversation that we don't often have, especially with Black men. I think that we, like you said, we hold so many things in. Um, we've been fed so many myths and, myths and lies and the impact that it's having on our mental health. Um is profound. And so another element that you layer on top of just us trying to get through the day to day is the impact of discrimination. And so how have you been faced with discrimination and how have you um, persisted through and and so there's this through line also I just want to throw in there this little thread because I believe that the impact of discrimination is showing up in some of these mental health numbers that we're seeing where people are depressed and what have you. Rob, you even alluded to it like, okay, okay, I, I don't, I, I, when I walked out the door, I'm not myself anymore. And it's all kind of rooted in like what the, um, the discrimination that I'm possibly going to face. Right. And so, um, We've been inundated and bombarded with images of, of black men being their interactions with police that were not once televised, but you all probably have experienced. So that impact of discrimination. How is the discrimination you think also? Um, I know this is two questions in one. It's probably three questions in one. So I'm sorry, but y'all know these. Is, we, ain't, we don't get brothers having these conversations often, so we gotta ask them why we can't. But there's the impact of discrimination on um, and, and all of this stuff that we're feeding, taking in and feeding in. Um, how is that also then impacting our mental health, our depression, substance abuse, and everything else that we see is, um, is struggling right now? Oh, my goodness. I know I asked a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh wife, wife, wife. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think one of the one of the main issues that that I deal with, and this has always been me growing up, being young, and, and letting things fester, you know, holding it all inside, and and we get hit every day by the images. We hit hit when we go to work, and you hear those, you know, the gaslighting. You hear the the, the comments and, and certain things, and you know. It's like if I if if I spoke on everything that I felt was racist or bigoted, my goodness, people would get tired of hearing from me. And I think that's probably one of the reasons we hold in so much until it's just absolutely blatant. Because you also get tired of trying to teach people, you know, what not to say, what not to do, and how to interact with certain black folk. You get tired of that. It's like, and, and, you know, it came up, I guess, you know, after George Floyd, really, it's like, you know, damn it, go figure it out yourself. You know, why should I have to teach you about these particular things, the history of the United States, the history of the world, you know, but it just gets to a point where, you know, you do hold it in because, as I said, if you had to speak on everything that has happened to us in all our lives, it would reach reach a point where people were just like, okay, I'm just, you know, my mentals aren't aren't ready, ready to hear all of this, 
And so it becomes one of those things where you let it fester, it holds it, you, you hold it in, and then, you know, it explodes on the wrong people, the people that you love. And I look at my wife and say, you know, I'm sorry because it has happened. You know, like, God, why? And then, you know, of course, you know, you know that you've done something that you shouldn't have done. You shouldn't have spoken to that person in that way. And then that's another thing that you're you're bringing into the guilt piece right there, you know, and hoping that they truly do forgive you for what you said. OK, so this discrimination thing is at the root of it all. But then it, it's like a ripple effect in all other parts of your life, you know, that that brings, you know, these these things, you know, to bear it brings, you, you know, your life into into a certain situation you don't want it to be in. So mm -hmm. um I guess I had to pay you two hundred fifty a dollar, two hundred fifty bucks an hour for this therapy <laughs> session. You know. Well, you know, you <laughs> talked about it exploding. Um, you know, you exploding on the people you love, but it also ex literally exposed on the inside mm -hmm. because the incident. I mean, I think all of us know a young black man who probably is in his forties, maybe early fifties, who's had a heart attack or died of a heart yep, attack. Yeah. Too many. Um, we we know that the life expectancy of black men is is uh, is shorter than um, your counterparts, whether it's black, white men, white women, or black mm -hmm. women, right? And so the, let's let's keep going. This impact is discriminate because <laughs> I think it's impacting a lot of things, it's not just our mental health, the physical health, um, but we're still here and we're all people of a certain age. So we're getting through it. So how are you getting through it, um, Leo? How are you getting through it? Well, I'm... It, it, it's it's day by day. <laughs> let's, let's let's say it that way. One of the things that I am doing though is you know uh, it's 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 funny um, kind of how this comes full circle. We we talked about this. I think it's been six years ago now. Was those dreams and goals that I have to really just start pulling the trigger on them? And a couple of those I'm I'm moving faster towards than I was you know, several years ago. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. Um, getting out of that comfort zone that I, I spoke about earlier about, you know, clutching onto those relationships, whether it's not a relationship or a job, because that's another thing I've always done. I think that's one of the impacts of discrimination with uh, black men is that there is a tendency for, for some that, well, we know that, uh, we're we're under you know that hyper microscope so we're reluctant to do anything that's going to rock that boat that's going to jeopardize our way of living or our family so some of us and i'm guilty of it are going to okay well they treat me well here they pay me well here i got good responsibilities decent job security i'm not going to look so I think that's a, an impact of it. Then, then as uh, Jeff alluded to again was, or that he spoke about was, you bottle so much stuff inside because if we let it out, just, they would get tired of hearing it. And honestly, let's be honest, they are already tired of hearing it. And I think that's where you're you're seeing this whole critical race theory because now this that, in my opinion, is the okay. This is what we've been bottling up for all these years. Let's talk about it. Put it in the curriculum. Nope, 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 nope. We don't want to hear about that. So I think they're getting tired of hearing it already. And it's kind of this thing. Well, OK, we let you name several streets in the, in the country. Black Lives Matter Avenue. Isn't that enough? You know, because of, of everything that's happened. And um, 
interesting thing that happened to me, a couple things with regard to not only bottling it up and the discrimination. So last year after the, the Floyd uh, uh, incident, I had one of those iconic boys in the hood tray moments where I was punching the air and broke and broke down and crying. I'm sick of this. And I literally did that. And because it was just like, we have been saying for, I know all of my life, stop killing us. You know, there are cases, okay, well, eh, he fired on the police, whatever, whatever. But how many times is, do we have to say, like, this guy was unarmed. You know, there's, the, and I'm bad with names, but the guy in Arizona, he's walking back to his car with his hands up. And the people in the helicopter say, oh, he looks dangerous. And they shoot him. Um, Walmart, you know, uh, black man purchasing a rifle. Man said, hey, there's a black man in here with a gun. They come in gun blazing. Um, um, play, the playground incident. And again, my memories. Uh, 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 what's his name? Tamir Rice. Thank you, Tamir Rice. And, I mean, this was a kid. So we've been and this. This isn't new. And I think it was. Um, it was one of the comedians, either Dave Chappelle or, um, or uh, Chris Rock, but saying that, no, it's not that this police brutality is new. It's just that it's being televised now because we have cell phones that can capture this stuff happening. And so we can say, see, see, this is what they've been doing to us for years. So in that breakdown moment that I had, I put it out in my, uh, with my uh, coworkers. We had a group chat, and I, I told them what, what, what happened. Um, I also emailed my, um, my CEO of my division as well as the CEO of my company um, after they put out a message that I thought was, it was timely about everything that's going on. And I actually got a phone call from the CEO from my division. He called me on my cell phone. And he, we talked about it. We talked about me breaking down and um, how I felt. And we, he talked about how he can be better and what he can do in the aftermath. So that really um, endeared me more to him. I've always thought he was a good leader, but that kind of bumped up his stock for me. Um, and then I'll close with this. Um, here in Florida, ironically, it was after our uh, that casino that we had casino event that we had over in winter park coming home from that. <laughs> I, I love telling this story. I'm dressed in a tuxedo. I'm in a uh, black Mercedes and I'm listening to Charday. And I go into an apartment complex following my wife, uh, taking a friend home and I'm parked it right in between the exit gate and, um, and the entry gate. And I'm sitting there, you know, just waiting for her to come out. Here comes police officer, comes out of the gate, circles back around, comes behind me and say, hey, are you know, first it started off with, hey, are you having any kind of car trouble? It's like, no. That, oh, can I get you to move over here? And I was like, OK, that, that makes sense. You know, somebody might think I'm blocking. But then, of course, when I go park, the lights go on. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, you're kidding me, right? So I'm like, okay, let's calm. I had to, you know, I had to push everything down because that's what we're trained to do, right? Um, and I'm complying. Here's my license. Kept my voice down. So after all this questioning, I asked, I said, um, what's, what's going on? Oh, there was a sexual assault nearby and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm thinking in my head, now, I wish I had the power to say it or the privilege to, to say what I wanted to say. But I'm like, so you think that me – in a tuxedo, 
listening to Day just sitting here was that guy. It, it, it was just like, you're seriously, t- like, I fit that description. So we, again, we deal with this all the time, every day. And like Jeff said, we could talk about it, but they don't want to hear it. They don't mm. want to hear it. We, you know, we, we videotape it. We talk about it. We talk about it on the news. Or we have panels, but they don't want to hear it. And it, they don't want to hear it until stuff starts happening where now you have protests that go sideways and go into riots and stuff. Well, no, okay, now let's have a conversation. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a lot that we have to deal with, you know, black men as well as black people in general along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Right. Rob, oh, go ahead. Um, no, I was just saying that it's, it's been taped before. It's always been videotaped. But one positive about COVID, uh, we were all in the house and everybody had a chance to see it and they couldn't go and get distracted. Mm. That's the only difference, you know, because these have been on tape and been on film for years. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that quote about it being videotaped is actually attributed to Will Smith. That's who I think that is attributed to. So, uh, Rob, what about you? You want to chime in on this or you want to go on to the next topic? Yeah, I'll be quick. I I agree with uh, what both the brothers were saying, you know, like doing when uh, the protest and that's all kind of you heard about because everybody had to kind of sit quiet. So you go to work. You know, you get the memorandum on the email. Uh, even before you start having your meetings, they take a moment and, and talk about diversity. You know, even though it's 40 of you all on the call, you're the only black person. And uh, <laughs> what we can do to get better and treat everyone the same. And as time starts progressing, it, it was a fad. You know, you, you go right back to doing exactly what you were doing. You know, when you, when you start hiring people or bringing people in, there's nobody of color. So it's like, your fad is my life, you know? And so you, you even fail to even see me. Like, hey, I wonder what Rob thinks. Let me tell you, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need the, uh, the director or the manager to tell me about diversity. How about the guy that's the two or three black people that are on the call or in your division? Mm-hmm. Or better yet, it's in your management team. So, you know, all those things uh, kind of have an effect on you. And like he was saying, you know, just simple things, driving home, going to the store, you know, those instances where people were pulled over and, uh, you know, unfortunately they, they lost their life. You know, you start thinking about hey, when you were pulled over and, and you knew it was some BS, you know, what if they had went left, you know, mm-hmm. what that could have been you, you know, so you kind of start playing that stuff back in and it, it, over time it, it, it takes its toll on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes, wife. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me. I, I'll, just, I, I'll, I'll just say, you know, you know, I read this poem a long, long time ago when I was growing up. Um, you know, Richard Corey. I don't know if you ever heard of that poem, Richard Corey. Just, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, just mental health creates mental health issues and depression creates good actors. And so that that particular poem really describes, you know, that that concept. And I just ask everybody to go read it. It's pretty deep poem. Richard Corey, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Richard Corey, C-O-R-Y. Okay. Um, All right. And what's the name of the poem? Because I will. Richard, um... Richard Corey. 
Richard. Oh, the name Corey. of the poem is Richard Corey. Yeah, by Edwin Arlington Robinson. Okay. All right. Perfect. I will drop the link in there for you all to read that poem. Um, since Brother Jeff said that you we we need to read this. Yeah. Oh, there we go. And lay um, your eyes on your people. Lay your eyes on your people and, and realize that depression creates good actors. Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Well, we have one more heavy topic and then we're gonna lighten it up a little bit. So this one, we're gonna try to tighten it, tighten it up a little Hold bit. Hold on, Sam. Hold on, Sam. <laughs> Sip your cocktail. We're gonna talk about, so education and earning. So we know, I mean, hey, black women, certainly we're, we're earning far less than even our black male counterparts. Um, but there's definitely, even though we have higher educational attainment, more of us in school. So we talked a little bit about this, but what can we do to kind of reshift the emphasis for black men, particular and young black men about the value of education um, and how it will impact your lifelong earning potential? Hmm. And so for me, education doesn't always have to be formal, right? But it, right. it there, right. there are formal educations that do uh, play a role and play a part. But if you're getting educated about whatever thing you are interested in and fascinated by, education doesn't always come in the same vein. But you got to get something. Because what I feel we just have a crisis of is too many people thinking they know shit and they don't know nothing. Can you go get some education, please? <laughs> right. Please. And some logic. Very true. Read some books. Now, I mean, I, books, and I'm not yeah. talking about some article. I'm talking about read some books, please. And stop <laughs> talking foolishness out here. Because too much foolishness is happening out here. Peer-reviewed articles, too. Peer-reviewed articles. Yeah. No, it's... um. You, you, you said something that was um, very vital, that education is not just what you learn in a particular institution, such as mm -hmm. maybe the schoolhouse. There are other ways. You know, as I said, when I grew up, all I did was read. And even when I was in college, people looked at me crazy because I read the newspaper every day to get the facts and to get, you know, not really on the opinion page. It was like, no, I'm reading what was going on in the world, how it was reported, because that's how you get educated also. You know, learning how to discern between facts and opinion, okay? Because sometimes just reading, like you said, wife, opinions, that shapes a mindset that, you know, you know, you start believing things that are not factual in nature. And, you know, and now you just get into a vacuum with other folks who feel the same way, but not know, you know, what the actual information is. And I, I think also to get our young black men back, you know, it, it takes something, you know, <laughs> it, it takes some little effort on our part. You know, I think also you have to just, you have to really show maybe your life and what you've done and how you can, you know, how you did it, even though it may be old and stuffy, you know, of just doing hard work. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just going in a circle now because I'm just, it, it's, it's such a difficult topic. It's like, you know, you try to tell them, you know, your education, going to school is not all about just the books. It's all about building your network, your coping skills, and also how to deal with people in general. That's an education in, in and of itself. And if you don't, and if you limit yourself to your Snapchats, your your Twitter accounts and, and those things, you're really leaving a lot on the table as far as when it comes to human interaction. 
that's where the education I think needs to happen with our kids. Now they need to learn how to deal with people face to face, interacting with people in just, you know, in, in a true and meaningful way. But if they're on those platforms, learn more about those platforms and how they were building. Create your own platform. Like, Amen. come on, like, like, let's let's get into some more coding and the bias. There, there's there's even a whole movie about it about the the bias and coding. You know, so we need you to get some education about some things that matter. And cybersecurity is huge right now. You don't. You just you just need to get a good certification yeah. in that. Learn about things that you really don't necessarily like. As we tell our kids all the time, there are going to be certain things. If you want to attain a certain goal, you're going to have to be involved and go to classes or do some things that you really don't want to do. But you have to learn to fight through those things that you really don't want to do. You always always have to look at the major, the, the primary goal that you're looking for. There are going to be things involved with that that you're not going to want to do. You, you're not, you, you know, I wanted to be a physical therapist, but hell, organic chemistry got in the way and physics got in the way. But if I really wanted to be a physical therapist, I probably would have done it. But that just taught me that I was doing something in school that others had picked out for my path. So, you know, we encourage kids, do what you really want to do, but here's the path you have to take. And these are some of the things that you may have to do that you're not going to like. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? All right. All right. I, 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 I mean, I, I agree with you, Jeff, but, you know, like the days of just stop in high school and getting the diploma. Oh, you're breaking up on us, Rob. You're breaking up right. on us. I go, go cut it. You know, my dad didn't go to school. He said, get on at a factory, but not now. You know, even with a bachelor's degree or a master's, still hell in trying to get a job. So, oh, you know, I was saying, you know, the days of a, uh, you know, just stopping at high school are kind of come to an end. You know, if you have a chance to to further your education, especially for us, we're, we're kind of when they look at our skills, they really have to match. Unfortunately, so a lot of times the experience piece, which is a plus, it just doesn't necessarily work for us. So we have to be uh, just as prepared, over prepared. So we give ourselves the best possibility, you know, whether you're going to work for someone or even start your own business. Mm -hmm. I froze up. Leotis, you want to chime in on that before we lighten it, lighten it up a little bit? Sure, sure. Uh, Jeff, Jeff said something uh, that I absolutely love. The, the education is not just about the books. It's, it's networking. It's the dealing with people. Um, one of the things that I have said pretty much all my life, because I, I had a similar thing to happen to me, Jeff, with uh, I was great in math and science in high school, loved it, could do complex, complex computations in my head. Uh, oh, you need to be electrical engineer mm -hmm. and physics uh, two and uh, calculus three said, nah, you, you don't want this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I was like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? But I ended up pursuing something that fit for me. Um, I, I've lived my life without, I try to live without too many regrets, regrets, but I will say that I wish I had pursued my true passion, which is uh, music and piano, but I'm able to pursue that now. You know, sometimes that path doesn't, doesn't come to fru uh, fruition until later on in your life. Um, but back to what I was saying, I've said this a, a lot where 
you know, we in the black community, we always push college education. We always push it. And I've always said, well, everybody doesn't need to go to college. Um, not saying that college is not a good thing, because I think it is. Um, however, I think that we, because of our history of, you know, we were not allowed to go to the, the, uh, these various institutions. Um, and, and, and then, of course, the HBCUs kind of grew out of that, which they uh, nurtured us a lot better. They, it wasn't just here the books, here the facts. I think with HBCUs, from what I've uh, seen, kind of living vicariously through you all and some other friends, that they helped you build that network as well and deal with, you know, the, uh, uh, the other things besides the actual book stuff. But one of the things I think that we got out of as a race or got away from is the vocational training. There's a lot of non-college training and non-college uh, uh, jobs out there that are high paying and, uh, and rewarding where we just abandoned at some period. Now, I don't know if that's a factor of it was, hey, this huge push of we have to have a college education because you know, blue collar work is now beneath us. I, I don't know. That's definitely a discussion. But I think that we need to start telling our, our people, just like you said, well, there's coding, there's this, there's, um, uh, you know, not just factory stuff, but there's technical stuff, electricians, blah, blah, blah. A friend of mine that lives down the, down the street worked, just, in fact, just retired, and he's fairly young, um, worked with the power company for, for years. Now, he has a college education, but ended up kind of working blue collar and it was very rewarding for him. So there's things that we can do with getting a, you know, a traditional institutionalized education, but it doesn't necessarily mean, Hey, we have to get a, a white collar mm -hmm. job. Yeah. Um, both of my children, uh, one of them graduated uh, last year and I want both of them to go to college one of them's decided to go into the military, which I commend. She's expressed that she doesn't actually want to go to college at all. Okay. So I want her to get an education and use the tools that are available, but I also want her to pursue her passion and live her life. Um, my oldest, Liana, has found her path and she's working through life right now. And she's very passionate about uh, drawing and uh, she wants to be an illustrator. And I see it because she literally spends most of her free time that she's awake. She's perfecting her craft. And I've seen from the beginning from where her art was to where now she's got these various characters with, you know, distinct characteristics and that sort of thing. So she's gotten very good at her craft. So I'm circling that back with me with music. I've always wanted to master the piano. I'm getting there, not there, but. I've been able to perfect or, or uh, enhance uh, my craft to the point where I've actually had two paid gigs in the past year that paid very well, surprisingly, uh, for just a couple hours work. And then I also had the honor to play for Dr. Martin Luther King's daughter a um, couple years back at UCF where um, I was kind of the, you know, the chamber music and then I played for the, the soloist. So that's a passion. So I think we really need to steer our young people to finding out what their passion is and then pursue that passion. And then wherever that leads, that's what we need to feed into it. Because as, as far as 
life fulfillment and you know money you know the money will come but if you're doing something that you your gift i think steve harvey was saying you if you're acting in your gift everything else will kind of fall into place mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. all right well you are tuned in tonight folks to hey sister you can see you got one sister here with three misters and it's been a very 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 enlightening conversation we've talked about some heavy topics we started off light talking about Emmys and TV. We got into the mental health, some of the issues and challenges that are facing black men. And then now we're gonna end with a few little lighthearted things just to kind of lighten the load so you all can go off and have a wonderful day because we have hit our hour. Can y'all believe like we hit our hour? Like that time is gone by that fast. Mm. Um, but I have a few yay or nays. So if you've ever been to the Sloan's house, <laughs> Uh, for um, we, we ain't had no Labor Day celebrations in a long time. No, it's been two <laughs> years. <laughs> no, three. three. Three has it been three? Good yeah. night. Yeah. So two we, hurricanes and COVID. We had the hurricane. Ah, yeah, you're year, right. And then uh, COVID. And COVID, COVID. Yeah. And uh. so we used we used to do this little thing called Yay or Nay. And so these are some um, I don't know if they had topics or what what you want to call them, but a Yay or Nay. So. Yay or nay on Spanx for women and for men? Go. Spanx? Spanx. Okay. Um, you know what you compression feel. undergarments. I'm aware. Do what you feel. Do what you feel. That's all I say. Do what you feel. I, I think, you know, when you're asking me, wife, and you're asking Leota, something, we've been married for 20 something years. So, we see spanks, so it's all good. You know, you ain't hiding them from me. I've seen it. <laughs> you know, Bob is in a committed relationship also. So I think you got the wrong panelists up here for that question. Okay. Well, what about spanks for men? Because, you know, men are Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. I'm going to drink on that. <laughs> if I ever see one of my boys with some damn spanks on he get roasted. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to old Jeff Sloan roasting. I will embarrass him until in public. Then I went no damn spanks up in here, man. <laughs> you ain't going to know. He going to have it under his shirt making his, his silhouette. Oh, whatever. We'll know. We'll know. <laughs> we'll know. If we see our friend that we know was kind of a right. little bit, you know, kind of soft around the midsection, right. about 220, and all of a sudden he just got a V cut. Got a v -cut. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, player. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Rob, what say you? You're not laughing at their jokes. What say you? Oh, yeah. I was laughing. I, I, I say nay. I mean, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that's, that's to each his own, but, you know, if I know you personally, you're gonna probably be by yourself on your own. So nah. <laughs> okay. So this next one, and we've seen a lot of it now. Uh yay or nay to plastic surgery. So we're seeing more and more procedures. We've seen so many fillers and um injections and Enhancements, you know, I can have a, 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 a lip implant put in to make my lip look plumper. Um, we got men and more men are having plastic surgery to add, you know, get the pecs or to get their 
even the etching of the, the abdominal muscles. So yay or nay to plastic surgery for men and women. What do y'all say? Do what you feel. Uh I'm I'm a nay. I'm a flat nay. I mean, if it's if it's not plastic surgery to to, you know, you you just had a car accident or something, something you know, something that's necessary. I'm I'm nay. It, I I think it's a, for me. I think it's a self esteem thing. When when I see women, um, who do it, especially when they get older and, and do various things, and it to me it's just like you know. There's been that so you know that social uh, push of well women don't grace or, or, or age gracefully but men do so there's this thing of women have to look younger. Me, I think there's nothing more beautiful than a grown woman. I I love I love the gray hairs. I love to see natural like be comfortable in your skin. And I say that you know with men as well. But I just I, I God created you in in you know perfectly. So let you know, let it roll out and just be comfortable in who you are. <laughs> I'm about to be. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct here. I'm just. Um, do you whoever if you want to do it, do it. But please tell me. I'm just yeah, letting you know. I say nay. <laughs> okay. All right. They they both say nay. Well, I'm gonna say this, honey. If it makes you feel better about yourself, do it. But know when to stop. Yes, God, yes. Some of y'all don't know when to stop, and some of y'all be looking a little too much lioness looking and right. the lion faces. Yes. Right. Some yes. of y'all be going yeah. too overboard, and some of y'all with these fat transfers into the buttocks, it ain't holding mm. up so well. So I'm going to just say. Legs, legs about as big as my forearm, but where yeah. all that come from? Yeah, Jeez, where all that come from? I, I I think I think you know God rest her soul. Joan Rivers was the kind of a, a illustration of what not to do. <laughs> well, the next thing, so uh, Jada Pinkett just did uh, something on her show, Red Table Talk, where she um, you know talked about going bald. And I know Ayanna Presley, the congresswoman who revealed her bald, she's someone who suffered from alopecia. I know someone else who suffers from alopecia and, and is wearing wigs. I think Ricky Lake also had that um, thing. So there's a trend. Uh, we know women have always cut their hair and had short haircuts. But what are you thinking about? I got a couple brothers here with bald heads. Uh, what do y'all think about the bald head look? I think Michael Jordan made it cool and popular for the brothers back in the 90s. So what do you think about the trend of the bald head for women? I'm all for it. Yay. I am definitely yay. Uh, all for it. It's um, one, my mother-in-law is a... Um, She's one uh, breast cancer survivor, so her hair is very close. And I've I've actually told her just to go and just shave that little bit off, just roll with it. Um, I don't know if you remember the the lady that spoke at the Conclave 2017, the uh, SG Rowe. Mm -hmm. She's got a very close cut as well. She's uh, actually now a good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful um, on all women. It, 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 I think especially so on black women. Uh, but I I love it. I'm a yay. I'm a yay. Okay. So we can keep that simple right there. Yay. All right. Well, they are a yay on bald head, y'all. So uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I got okay. one question. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just interested that 
obviously, I don't know. Maybe people aren't watching us because any comments? We don't, we have very few comments. We had a yay. It was it just too deep? I maybe it was too deep. I don't know. Y'all got comment. We have a, we had a yay on the um the um the for not plastic surgery the um. Oh Lord, I don't forgot what my first topic was already. The spanks. The spanks. Yes, we had a yay on the spanks, and they got he's got the spanks on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who Catherine said got the spanks. Tell you who you. And then we have uh, Dr. Larissa here said her hubby says ball over weave any day. And, Amen. Uh, and then Jolinda said yay on ball heads. I right, now. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we saying yay. Uh, oh, oh, she's she saying the quiet one. She was talking about you, Rob. She was saying you got on Spanx right now. And I'm just glad that we got some brothers on, some misters on to have the, these conversations. We, like we said, a lot of times we don't want to have these tough, challenging conversations, but we know that um, as a community, we're facing a lot, always have, probably always will. Uh, we know we overcome a lot, always have, and always will. But I think the more we normalize having these conversations, because I don't think uh, so much is still not said out loud. And that's why having you on tonight in place of my sister was so important because we got to say some of these things out loud. You know, we don't say them enough out loud about our mental health and what we're dealing with. And you all were so vulnerable. So we appreciate you sharing you will know what you what you've been dealing with. Um, uh, we are not some. Rosalyn said, "Bring the missus back." So we will bring. <laughs> we'll definitely bring the missus back. But I would be remiss if I didn't one more time just run this banner across here about therapyforblackmen.org. We have to normalize having these difficult conversations mm -hmm. um, for our mental health, for the preservation of 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 our our lives. Like we said, we we're. I'm tired of young black men dying, um, especially for things that are preventable. And it's and a lot of it's because things that we're holding inside. So that's how I'm going to close. I'm going to toss it to each of you to make one closing comment for the night, and then we're going to go out. Jeff, I'm going to start with okay, you. Okay, go start with me. Okay, well, I just, just want to just emphasize to everyone, you know, over the past year, I've kind of uh, made a switch in, in my thought process of don't talk yourself out of living your best life. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, when there are opportunities to go lay your eyes on somebody or go visit a friend, don't look for those situations to say, well, I can't go at this point in time. Life is short. Mm -hmm. Find ways to talk yourself into going to visit your friends, your family, and doing things that you've always wanted to do, but just haven't done it yet. Stop talking yourself out of living your best life, which is to enjoy what God has given us, you know, the opportunities that we have. So I've just basically said that, you know, COVID's taught me something. It really has taught me that, you know, when you get a chance to seize the moment, seize it. 
So, and I think that'll help also with our mentors. Amen to that. I'm typing that in. Talk yourself into living your best life because we sure come up with reasons about why we can't do a whole mm -hmm. lot of things. What would your cousin Rascal say? You know, everybody's going until it's time to leave. That's what my cousin Rascal said. Everybody going until it's time to leave. Then you be looking around like, well, where they at? I thought we was all going on this trip. I thought we all was going to go on this adventure. I thought we all was going to spend this money and do this thing. Boy, when it's time to go, boy, whoo, you looking around like, say what now? I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah, everybody going until it's time to leave. That's right. What about you, Rob? What would you want to say in closing? I, I think the big thing I would uh I would share is to find your happiness. You know, like my aunt says, it's no dress rehearsal. So you only get one chance at it. So if you want to do something, do it. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. But make sure you, as you get older, you don't have any doubts and you're happy. Pretty quick and simple. <laughs> All right. I love that. Find your happiness. And you know, I heard this, um, it's, it was a clip and the N NDC is using this in the trailer. And I think it was someone who was from um, a survivor of 9-11 and, and one of the, um, the first responders. And you know how they said, well, you only have one time to live. And he was like, no, you only have one time to die. You got, you got every day to live. Every day to and live. so you need to make sure that you live in every day. And so if you find your, find something to be happy about every day, and then you will definitely have a, a, a full and blessed life. So Leo, toss it to you. What, what you want to say in closing? So I, I, I will, um, Everything else that came before me was great, and I'm going to uh, uh, definitely take that. But I'm going to close with with uh, men, especially for us. Go go get go see the therapy. Go get therapy. Talk to somebody. Pick up that phone when the when the the demons are telling you don't pick up the phone. Fight harder and pick up that phone and call. And then for uh, us who are doing better, check on our friends because especially the ones who are. Uh, who are single because typically they don't have that spouse to to bounce something off of or to uh, to download with. So uh, check on each other and and go get that therapy. That is fantastic. Well, folks, that is going to be it for tonight. Thank you for watching. Hey, sisters, brothers, y'all hold the line as we wave goodbye to everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. The noob stepped up. The noob stepped up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>